0: Hey there. This is Rish Outfield and this is the Rish Outcast. I am recording in silence at the family cabin and I've got a cold. But I'm still counting this as a Rish Outcast because <laughs> I'm redoing this episode. I woke up fairly early this morning. Not early for you, but early for me. And I, and the first thing I did was uh, I plugged in my recorder to delete the two files that I edited yesterday. That tends to be what I do. I leave them on the recorder until they are edited or until I'm done with them. You know, if it was lines for somebody's Audio drama. I leave them on the recorder until I have sent in those lines, and then I can make room. And so I selected those two files and uh, was about to hit delete, but then I thought I would check to see how much space was left in the folder, if this would be enough to record an episode, or whether I would need to delete something else. So I checked the folder, then I went back on those two files and I hit delete. And a couple of seconds passed and I watched the bar start to delete and I realized something was wrong. And what it was doing was deleting the entire folder. So everything I had recorded from 2017 on was disappearing. I hit X. There was no cancel button. 14 gigs worth of audio had been lost. And for some reason, it was just deleting the most recent stuff. So things over the last month and a half, two months, were the things that were gone. And that included an episode that I recorded little uh, about 10 days ago about my book, When You Need It Most. It also included various chapters from... Audio that I was getting ready to publish, some lines for an audio drama, some lines for Marshall Latham's podcast, a couple of short stories that I recorded here at the cabin the time or two ago that I was here. Except for the Rich Outcast, all of that is replaceable because it was recording something from another media. It was doing audiobooks, uh, lines, etc. So all of that stuff is expendable pretty much, except for the episode that I had done a a week and a half ago. And so I'm going to sit down and try and re-record that and share that with you. And a part of me, a little voice, said, well, why bother? But I have to create content. I am a podcaster, and I enjoy doing it, but I also feel like I have an obligation to do it. Does that make sense? If you're a podcaster, if you're Marshall or somebody listening to this, I think you understand what I mean. It is work and it is fun, but it is also a contract that you've made with your listeners that you're going to continue producing content. So I will try and put my mind back to where I was 10 days ago when I recorded it the first time although I was driving and sometimes when I'm driving I'm distracted and my mind goes all over so this will probably be tighter and shorter and like I said I have a cold so it will be much more nasal everybody wins when you need it most and I'm gonna try and come up with a sound effect for every time that I say that to entertain myself the editing of these episodes is the most tedious most time-consuming least enjoyable part of podcasting and that's one of the reasons that i will do drops little audio clips that i will play to entertain myself i hope that they entertain you and if they don't well i don't know i don't know go on to patreon.com forward slash and say hey, I'm going to support you at X level, hoping that you do away with whatever it is that bothers you. I will listen because money talks. Regardless, I am entertained by the drops, the the little sound effects or the little songs. And so you'll be hearing that in this. Okay, so this all goes back to me saying when you need it most. (laughs) is the most recent thing that I have completed, and it took a big chunk of 2021 to get done. Of course, in the past, the rich outfield that wasn't writing every single day would have taken a year, maybe a year and a half, or much more likely never to complete. 2021 has been the year of Lara and the Witch for me. Whereas 2020 and probably 2019 as well were the years of Dead and Breakfast. I think I said that I wrote nine or ten Dead and Breakfast stories in 2020 and 2021. And that included a novel, a Dead and Breakfast novel that is not forthcoming this year. It, uh, I recognize that it is very weak will take a lot of work and some rewrites to get out there. But maybe I'll put it as a goal for 2022. The the problem is there have been goals for 2020, 2019, and 2021 that I have not achieved. And those really ought to be higher up as on the priority list. But in 2021, I basically ended last year with writing a Laura and the Witch Christmas story called Made Just For You, which you can check out if you like. And I'm seriously considering running it as the Christmas episode this year. The problem is it follows the second story, You're In Good Hands. And if you haven't read that, then it... Someday I will run You're In Good Hands on The Outcast. And boy, that will be pleasurable. Because anytime I can do like multiple episodes on the same story, it's heaven, really. But I wrote that at the very, very end of the year. I had gotten the idea a couple of days before Christmas to write a Christmas-themed Laura and the Witch story. I didn't make it, so I set a secondary goal of finishing it before New Year's, and luckily... The library was open on New Year's Eve and I sat there and I forced myself to stay there until I finished it. And then we were in 2021 and I had just had a good time writing that character. I, in 2020, I had written a lengthy story called Bundling Made Easy. That was about Lara falling in love with this boy. I think her junior year of high school and He's a cool dude, and he's popular, and he's handsome and athletic. And she starts to wonder, is this guy too good to be true? What is really going on here? What does he see in me? That is not something that I have experienced in my life, but I would imagine that a lot of people have, where things are going really, really well, and you think, the other shoe needs to drop. What is going on here? May we all have that problem in our lives. But I wrote that and I dug it. And it was meant to be the big follow-up of You're in Good Hands. Which continues the narrative started in Like a Good Neighbor. Introduces a villain, like a, a, a old widow Holcomb nemesis. And uh, ends that narrative. But then boop, teases another one, right? I can't remember at this point. I've written so many of them, guys. I had intended the love story, Bundling Made Easy, to be half about Lara with this boy and half about Holcomb discovering she had another enemy out there and somebody who was even more personally dangerous than her ex-husband, who was the villain of the second story. And it was just too big. I, I realized I would have to sit down and figure out where it was going and what the ramifications were. And of course that had to involve Lara. It couldn't just be Holcomb. And ultimately I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to set that aside. And this story is going to be solely about Lara, but we'll tease the other villain at the very end So that you know that more is to come. And I I like that. I feel like it worked out really well. And no one knows because nobody has read that story. But I will set that as another goal for 2022 to put that out there. But getting to know Laura Deming and Holcomb again was very enjoyable. I like the dynamic between those two characters. And I like the idea of a girl just with endless possibilities in front of her of magic that can do anything, really. Orson Scott Card, I remember, in his uh, writing science fiction and fantasy book had said, you need to set out the limitations of magic if you're going to write fantasy novel with magic in it. You have to say, well, you know, what is the cost of magic? What are the limitations? What can you not do? Where does it come from? How does it work? And in these stories, none of that applies. Magic can do anything. I think there's probably a spell out there that a capable enough spellcaster could use to end the world. And so those possibilities are just, wow, for a girl who I think was 11 in the first story to just have her hands on. Wow. And I also like coming of age. I like a girl discovering boys and discovering that, you know, some Friends aren't really friends and discovering that her teachers are people too, etc. All of that stuff is interesting to me. And so I have gone back to the Lara Deming well again and again. Like I said, I finished the Christmas one on New Year's Eve and then 2021 was upon us and I started writing a novel about an outpost out in space that is awaiting a ton of colonists. It's just a you know a, a very, very small group right now, and a plague hits them, and one by one they all start to die. And I was looking at the pandemic that was going on and trying to deal with it in a science fiction setting. And you know I think that anybody can understand doing that, but I sort of ran out of steam on that, and I, I would love to go back to it. And here we are, almost at the end of 2021, and we're still in the pandemic. It is still taking tons of people. And I, I feel like it really shouldn't have. You, My buddy, Gino Moretto. <laughs> That's so annoying. I, I apologize, Gino. But I'm not going to stop doing it. He, you know, he lives in New Zealand where they have just kicked this thing right in its pandemic nuts. And any time people start to get sick, they shut down the country again. They send everybody home. They put people's private parts in one of those little chastity cages and say, you know, sorry, we don't want this disease in our country. And it fades. And then they go about their business again. And yeah, there's a big chunk of the United States that see that and say, oh, fascism, how dare you? But their dead in New Zealand could fit in this room. And the dead in the United States, due to the pandemic, could fill up this forest. And there's no sign of stopping. I'm going to do another episode as soon as I'm done with this one to talk about that and I hope I don't become political, but we could have inconvenienced ourselves a little bit more and suffered a little bit more in the short term and saved a lot of lives, and we didn't. Sorry, I guess that's considered politics there. I guess that was me trying to say I could go back to the outpost outbreak story and, and finish it. And I hope that I do. There's no chance I will. But by this point, it was February. And what is February? Yes, the worst month. But why? Because smack dab in the middle of February is the worst day of the year. A day designed to sell frivolous things and to make the lonely feel much worse. So I thought, well, Let's write a Valentine's Day story. Why not write a Lara and the Witch Valentine's Day story? And so I wrote one about her, I think this is her last year of junior high. Oh God, they don't call it junior high anymore, do they? You know what, where Lara goes, it's still called junior high because you know what, where I went, it's still called junior high. F (laughs) you. Sorry about the language there. I think it's her last year of junior high And she's got a forlorn English teacher who is uh, lonely. And Laura decides that she's going to step in and play matchmaker and use magic to make romance happen for Valentine's Day. (laughs) And that one doesn't have a title. As far as I know, I didn't go through and look at a ton of possibilities for that one. And I I, I should. And I will. Right now, it's just called The Laura Valentine's Day Story. And I finished it, and it was fine. And then I think I started on something else. I did write another Dead and Breakfast story in there, but it wasn't good, and it wasn't what I had been writing in 2020, which was about all of the employees of the bed and Breakfast. It was much more of an episodic It was much more of what it was intended to be, with a bad person coming to Noble Oaks. And they chose the wrong night to stay there. I ought to sit down and record that, because I could release that right now, even though it's uh, out of, not out of continuity, but out of uh, the chronology. Maybe, yeah, that's another thing I ought to do. What I ought to do is just stop recording, pack up my stuff and go home and start working on all this stuff. Problem is I won't. If I go home, there will be a dozen things pulling at my attention and I'll say, oh, well, I I need to work on this. And that's one of the reasons I come out here. I'm just gonna be quiet for the next 10 seconds. I want you to hear how quiet it is at the cabin. So you can hear the John Wayne clock on the wall And I think you can hear it echoing off the wooden ceilings because it sounds like two tick-tocks going on. But there are so many clocks in this room. It could be another clock. Just none of the others ever seem to be working. I come here because there's no distractions, really, except for occasionally I will see a deer or occasionally there will be wind or somebody with a chainsaw out there and it's super noisy. Last night I was editing Made Just For You and I could hear an owl out there. And so finally I was like, i got to go check this out. And I went and I listened and I could hear an owl. And I don't know how far away it was because it's, it's hard to gauge out here in the wilderness. Something could be a mile away and you hear it or it could be just two lots over. But I could hear an owl calling and then somewhere in the distance I could hear an owl Answering? Is that how you'd say that? Calling back. It sounded different. That was really neat. Uh, it is such an exotic sound to me. i I'll get distracted as you see. I wrote a sketch for me and Renee and Big to do, and I'll try and set that as a goal before the end of the year also to get the three of us in a virtual room to record that. And then I got an idea uh, for another Lara and the Witch story. And this one was, you know, Lara has friends. But what if, you know, she goes to high school. What if she, you know, it's her first year of high school and she f- meets another girl who claims to be a witch. And I thought, well, yeah, okay, that, that could go somewhere. And that one ended up being almost twice the length of the Valentine's Day one. But I wrote it. I finished it. Uh, That one is called The Company You Keep. And um, there were a bunch of potential titles on that one. I like writing down these potential titles because I've been writing so many of these, I could reuse others. Yeah, I'm glad that I hadn't discovered The Company You Keep as a potential title because I would have called Bundling Made Easy That. And it's not as appropriate for for the love story as it is for the Lara makes friends with another girl who's a witch. I finished that, and who knows what I started after that. I've got like my list of documents here in front of me. I had a werewolf, high school werewolf story that I started on, and I haven't worked on it since the 1st of June. After that, I wrote a story about identical twins. And that was inspired by meeting a girl who is an identical twin and talking to her, asking her questions and being just fascinated by the answers. I, I've talked about this on my blog quite a bit. Almost every time I talked to her, I would blog about it because just, my gosh, dude. You know, I would ask her questions like, have you ever had a dream and you told your sister about it and she said, I had the same dream. And she would say, yes. You know, stuff like that, it's just, whoa. One day I will publish that story and I'll do a whole episode about that and I'll tell you about some of the things, the weird twin things that she said. And I really ought to dedicate the story to her because it wouldn't have been written without her. But she was not all that impressed to know that I was a writer and less e- even than that to know that I was writing a story about identical twins inspired by her. I had told other people that and they'd be like, really, you're a writer. You know, I'll have to look that up, etc." cetera, kind of thing, which is a nice thing to say and it doesn't have to be genuine. But she didn't seem to think, and, and, and that's fine to each their own. But I finished that That took me through the summer, partway through the summer, and then I got this idea of one day I would like to write a really dark Laura Deming story where she is given like a mission to prove herself, to prove, you know, it's like, okay, now you're basically an adult. Here's something that we would like you to do, and it's going to be difficult. And basically, it is a. Laura goes undercover to another high school to investigate somebody at that school that has been using magic irresponsibly. And it turns out to be a boy. And she sees a lot of herself in this boy, where she was when she first discovered magic and maybe didn't use it super responsibly. Anyway, he's just a little bit older and horny and lonely and frustrated, and he's using these spells in a flashy, attention-getting sort of way. Uh, so I, I, I had this idea and I thought, yeah, one day I will write that, but it'll, it'll take place after these other stories, maybe when she's a senior in high school. And then I couldn't let it go. And I sat down and I started to write it and it got bigger and bigger and I, it started to have these subplots in it. That I, I hadn't intended. Like she makes friends with this girl at the other high school. girl And the girl is, is cool and friendly and doesn't know who Lara is or what Lara is. And I thought, well, that's really interesting. And so I'd write scenes with them that weren't tied to the main objective Lara had. And then I started to focus on the foster parents that Lara was staying with. They were pretending to be her parents at this school and they had all sorts of stuff going on. And <laughs> early, early on, Lara says something to them and they respond as though she is actually their daughter. And Lara realizes that at one point they cease to pretend and now believe that she is their child. What, what is going on? Who did this and why? I loved that aspect of the story. And that alone could have been a short story. But it it wasn't. It was just, I started to write a scene with Lara and the boy, a scene with Lara and her friend, a scene with Lara and her foster parents, and then go on to the scene with Lara and the boy. And it got bigger and bigger. I realized, okay, well, this is going to be a lengthy short story. This is going to be a novelette. That's what they call that. And it just kept going okay, this is going to be a novella. And I wrote a scene where Holcomb contacts Lara to ask how it's going, how her mission is going. And Lara says a couple of things, and Holcomb doesn't understand what she's talking about. And we discover that Holcomb also is affected by this magic spell and has forgotten exactly why Lara is there. And and that came from me wanting Lara to be on her own. She couldn't go to anybody else for help or for advice. She had to make these decisions herself. And so I came up with that idea that Holcomb was being affected by magic and then she stops calling to check on her and Lara calls her and Holcomb is just like, oh, how are you doing on your trip? And she doesn't know that she has sent Lara on this mission. (laughs) So, to make a long story short, ironically, it became a novel rather than just a novella. And a novel, according to the Hugo's, is 40,000 words or up. And I kept going. I kept forging through. And part of the reason it ended up so dang big was because I was pantsing it. I was writing not from an outline, But just making it up as I went along, and there were places where new characters would come in, and then we'd never see them again. New subplots would be brought up, and they'd either be discarded, or I'd have to find a way to resolve them. I mean, preferably you want to resolve the subplots, right? But I was nearing the end. And when I first came up with the idea, it was all... Lara goes to this new school and she meets this boy. And what does she do about the boy? It was probably two sentences, but I've, I've, I've shrunk it down to one. I was getting to the point where it's just like, what does Lara do about the boy? And I didn't know. I, I hadn't decided what to do. And I just went with my gut and said, okay, this is how it's going to end. And once I knew that, I finished it. Because I needed to see the goal, I needed to know what to work toward. And once I knew where that was, it all fell into place and I, I, I made it. But I'll admit that there were a couple of days there at the very, very end, when I only wrote like 200 words or 300 words that day, because I didn't want to end it, I didn't want it to be over, and then have to go on to the next blank page. Does that make sense? Even if it doesn't, just take my word for it, that's how it was. I finished that and it was a novel, I believe a 62,000 word novel, bigger than anything I had ever written before. And I should have been able to take a couple of days and just feel proud of myself and feel like, okay, hey, you've earned this, have some ice cream. But I had taken it upon myself to do this daily writing thing, (sighs) which meant there was no rest for the wicked. Every day you had to work on something. Instead of giving your batteries a chance to recharge by themselves and something to jump into your head and say, yeah, okay, let's write that. I had to just wing it and it created a bunch of, of dead ends of stories that I started, projects that I began and then never went anywhere because I had to produce content every day. And finally I decided enough. Enough is enough is enough is enough. That sounded like the theme to Mr. Ed in my head. I'm not gonna write every single day anymore. In September of 2021, I'm going to set the goal of not writing anymore. Of just saying, okay, I am done. Today I'm not gonna write anything. And I felt like that is a goal, young man, that you can achieve. I had also set the goal of finishing when you need it most. Which is what I decided to title the story. And and I recognize that that is a weak title, even weaker probably than Bundling Made Easy. But like Bundling Made Easy, when you need it most, uh, fits the story and is incorporated into the story. I I, I hope you will agree when and if you read the, the book. So I had set that as a goal for September and I finished it in September of 2021. And that meant now I could move on to my other goal of not writing anymore. And I blogged about it. I've been blogging every single day since January 31st, 2020. And that's a drag. But I blogged about it and Big Anklevich commented on my blog that day. And he said, you know, you can do what you want. But I wish that I had not quit writing every single day when I did. Because it's been almost a year since the day I reached my goal of 300,000 words and said, okay, now I'm going to stop. And I haven't written a word since then. And he went on and it was confessional and it was heartbreaking. And he talked about having wasted an entire year and that everything fell apart. And he's less happy than he usually is and less healthy He hasn't been exercising. He hasn't been eating right. And he ties it to that daily writing goal. When he was firing on all cylinders, doing these things every single day, he was motivated also to exercise, motivated also to try and eat right. And he was doing well. But once he quit the writing every single day, everything else fell by the wayside too. And he's unhappy about it. I ought to send the guy an email. But that gave me pause. Most of the time in life, for a young person at least, and and this is tied into Laura Deming's adventures as well, you have to make your own mistakes. You can see people around you screw up, do something. But most of the time, the lessons you learn are from screwing your own life up and learning from that mistake. It is a really rare case when you can see somebody else's error and say, I'm not going to go down that path. And you adjust your own route based on that. That You know, I think this is wisdom to not have to make your own mistake but learn from other people's mistakes. And so I thought of Big saying that and I thought, okay, at least for right now, I can... Keep writing every single day. And and that was something that he suggested is, dude, you don't have to write a lot. Just write 100 words, 200 words. Just write every single day. And I think maybe you'll avoid this pitfall that I fell into. So I have been doing that. And unfortunately, the first idea story-wise that came to me after I had finished my book, and this is the day that I recorded this episode the first time, that day i had gotten an idea for another laura and the witch story and oh i didn't want to write another one i'd written all of these and what's funny is i forgot one that i wrote i was at my mom's house on like a sunday night and i was using her computer i was waiting for john oliver to start and i sat down and in one sitting wrote a very short Old Widow Holcomb centric story about her going to Laura's parent-teacher conference. That... I'm sure I emailed that to myself. I just don't have that here in front of me. But I didn't want to write another one. I wanted to move on to something else. (laughs) But I got this idea of Laura having this kid that is in school with her, a boy, when she's, say, 15 or 16 and he dies, he has a congenital heart defect or he has something that is not his own fault, it's not an accident, it's just one of those things. And she discovers after he's gone that he really liked her, had been watching her and thought that there was something magical about her and he used that word. And I really liked that idea. It didn't It didn't start out as a Laura Deming story. It just started out as a uh, somebody dies and you find out that they really liked you idea. But it just felt so perfect for Laura Deming. And I've written these romances in her life in Bundling Made Easy and also in When You Need It Most. And I didn't want her to be one of those girls that has... Boyfriend after boyfriend after boyfriend. I wanted her to be sort of an outcast and I wanted her to be kind of plain and not super popular and certainly not desired by every boy in every class. I remember the first time that I podcasted about this because I just had the idea that day. I was talking about trying to make a character sympathetic when every guy wants to be with her. I know you can do it. I know you can. I just didn't think I could do it. It's hard. When I wrote this Natalie Whitmore-centric story last year about her falling in love with this guy who is not into her, and it was so hard to put myself in her shoes because she's beautiful. You know, she's model-level beautiful. She is a model, geez. The story's called The New Model, and I just wanted, to have a story where she just fell head over heels with this guy and it's, she had never felt this, she had never fallen this hard. And trying to examine how that would be and it's super alien for me to try and write about somebody that is popular, that is liked, that is always having dates or guys asking her out, or guys offering to buy her coffee, or guys wanting to be on her, and it was a challenge. And Lara is not that person. Lara is the girl that sees the couple holding hands in the hall and says, that looks nice, because that was me. You get me? So writing yet another story about Lara with a boy made me start to feel like, well, I'm not not sure how well I can relate to her if all these guys are into her. But the idea that Lara is lonely and she finds out that this guy had feelings for her, but now he's dead, that is something that we can relate to, that the lonely person, whether it's me or all of us, can relate to because she's still lonely and now, This carrot has been dangled in front of her head and then pulled away. It works. So I have since sat down and started writing that story and it's about a quarter of the way done. But dang it, it gave me an idea for another story (laughs) of Holcomb showing Lara that on a certain night of the year, magic gets really, really easy. Things that w- should be impossible become possible. And that's what this story is about, of her going, being able to go back and try and affect the life of this boy that is going to die. See, he can't have died in accident. He can't have <clears throat> killed himself. He can't have been murdered. It had to have been something that was going to happen no matter what. So, you know, maybe he had been sick for a little while. Maybe it was something that it just runs in the family. And then, boom, there he goes and he's gone. It had to be something like that because I didn't want Lara to be able to fix it, even with going back in time. And that's a lesson that we all must learn, too, is there are certain things that we cannot change and somebody with magic is not all powerful. I guess that goes back to the Orson Scott Card book. There are limitations, even for somebody like Holcomb, even for somebody like Lara. And so I'm writing that story, and I also started writing another story, revisiting uh, Will Choner from Lost and Found, And that one, I'm almost finished. It's one of those where if I had really dedicated myself, I could have finished it in a weekend. But I am doing what Big suggested. And I'm just writing a couple of paragraphs here. And all right, I wrote two pages today, but tomorrow I probably won't. And so, yeah, it's something that I could have written in three days. It's going to take me a week longer than that or, or two weeks. And I'm fine with that as long as I finish it. This has been a sort of sprawling episode as well. I've just been sitting here, staring out the window, looking at the leaves turning yellow and talking. But I hope that it has been enjoyable in some way. And now I'm gonna leave you with this little bonus thing. It was something that I had planned to record today or yesterday to go into that episode from 10 days ago uh, just to make it a little bit longer. And, and, you know, now this episode is long. But I'm still going to give you the reward, and I think that you'll enjoy it. And uh, I hope that you enjoy the Rish Outcast. I hope that you enjoy talking with me, that you like the Lara and the Witch stories. Uh, let me know. I, I know that a certain someone who will remain nameless so I don't have to put in the thunder clap really liked the Lara Deming stories and that makes me happy to know that something that I write pleases somebody else and um, I hope that you are setting goals in your life and that you are finding the strength to achieve those goals you can't achieve them all you can't but if you achieve one or two here and there It feels good and probably gives you the motivation to keep going and to make new goals. And that is something that I have learned in this goodness. 600 days of writing every single day, exercising every single day in a row, blogging every single day. You can surprise yourself what you're capable of. And it's a good surprise for once. Boy, how many times have we let ourselves down because we're like, well, no, I thought I was better than that. But I'm clearly not. The other side of the coin is really refreshing to find out, hey, I didn't think I could do that, but I did. (laughs) And even though I have a cold, now I'm thinking, you know what? I'm going to go outside and I'm going to shovel some gravel into the wheelbarrow. And my mom gave me this job to do this, to put gravel on the driveway, which is just dirt and grass, (laughs) by the end of the summer. And I told her, yeah, I think I can do that. Of course, it'll take me till January to get the whole driveway done. (laughs) And here it is, fall. I've watched a couple of leaves fall just since I mentioned staring out the window. And uh, I've done it one day. But I think I'm gonna go out there and do it again. And I'm going to give you the credit for that. Listening to me talk has given me inspiration. I hope it's given you some kind of inspiration or pleasure or mild discomfort. Take care, and may your day be magical. Bye. Once upon a time, a few mistakes ago, I was in your sight, you got me alone. You found me, you found me, you found, found me. me. I guess you didn't care, and I guess that I liked that And when I fell hard, well you took a step back Without me, without Without me, without me me, And And he's long gone gone when he's next next to me
1: And I realised the blame
0: is on me Cause I knew you were trouble when you walked in so shame on me now, flew me to places that I'd never been Till you put me down, oh I knew you were trouble when you walked in So shame on me now, flew me to places I'd never been and now I'm flying on the cold hard ground oh, oh! Trouble, 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 trouble. No!
1: Oh, trouble, trouble, trouble!
0: trouble. No apologies. He'll never see see you cry. Pretend he doesn't know that he's the reason why Why. you're drowning, you're You're drowning, drowning. you're You're drowning. drowning. Now I heard that you moved on from whispers on the street and a new notch in your belt is all I'll ever be. now Now I see, now I see, now I see. Long ago when he met me And I realized the, the joke, joke is on me, yeah I knew you were trouble when you walked, walked in, in. So oh, a shame oh, on you me now who made you to places that I'd never been, been. Tell you to put me down, oh I knew you were trouble when you walked in, in. To shave on me, now me to, to, to leads place to places I've never been, been. Now, now I'm lying on the cold hard ground oh oh, 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 trouble, trouble, trouble Oh, oh, trouble, trouble, trouble The saddest fear comes creeping in That you never loved me or her uh, uh, or anyone or anything knew you were trouble you when you walked in so right shame on me right now there. flew me to places I've never been you put me down oh I knew you were trouble when you walked in it there. shame on me now flew me to places i never been now I'm lying on the cold hard ground. Oh, oh, trouble, trouble, trouble. trouble. Oh, oh, trouble, 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 trouble. I knew you were trouble when you walked in. Trouble, trouble, trouble. I knew you were trouble when you walked in. Trouble, trouble, trouble. The Rish Outcast has been released under a Creative Commons Attribution No Derivatives 3.0 license. That allows you to listen to it, copy it, and share it, but not to sell it, edit it, distort it, or otherwise have your way with it. I know how. murray looked past the camera to where rick was monitoring to where rick hudson was monitoring it to where rick hudson was monitoring it all to where rick hudson was monitoring it all with head to where rick head to where rick hudson was monitoring it all with headphones rick rick do you not remember that i told you killing might be necessary do you not remember that I told you killing might be necessary? One more time. Do you not remember that I told you killing might be necessary? Do you not remember that I told you killing might be? De- Do you not remember that I told you killing might be necessary? Now fasten the saddlebags. Now fasten the saddlebags while I set the stable aflame. Trouble, 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 and the saddest thing about Chalupa.